0: This is the Yada Yada Podcast, where we get to the heart of the Christian sexual ethic with biblical truths and real talk about sex, purity, and relationships. We're your hosts, Ashley and Amber from Across My Heart Ministries. Welcome to the second episode of Yada Yada. We just had some caffeine, so we are ready and excited. Normally, our choice of caffeine is coffee. Yeah, that is typically our first go-to. But
1: we actually just drank some really good kombucha. We did. I didn't trust Ashley's coffee because it had been in the coffee pot for two days.
0: (laughs) Normally, I have fresh coffee, but for some reason, I did not this afternoon. So we... uh, Kombucha it was. Kombucha it was, and we are ready to go. So last week, we talked about why we as a ministry still choose to use the word purity. We talked about what purity is and how it actually helps us understand our relational dependence on God and that it's in this relationship with Jesus Christ that we can experience true intimacy and closeness with God we can know and be known just like the Hebrew word yada suggests
1: and that's how we got our name yada yada so we said in last week's episode that purity is passionately pursuing God with mm. our whole Life. And when we yeah. do that, there's some natural rewards that that follow with that that passionate pursuit. Mm-hmm. Purity brings clarity. It helps us to see God clearly. It brings confidence. It helps us not to doubt what is right and what is wrong, but we can mm. more clearly see and distinguish between what is right and what is wrong and also brings closeness to God. We don't have all these other things competing for our affection because we have that focus, Mm -hmm. that focus on God as we passionately pursue him with our whole life. Matthew 5 verse 8 says, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God.
0: So really last week,
1: we covered all of that,
0: what purity is. And this week, as promised, we want to start unpacking Not what purity is, but what purity isn't. And Amber, before we get into the list of things that we kind of prepared to talk about today, there's Yeah,
1: kinda like that we we have we have four things that we're gonna talk about that are the four things that we most commonly run come up against when people are cause confusion. Yeah, what they think
0: purity is. And there's something that I want to mention before we get into that conversation, because I think that one of the biggest things we need to keep in mind. For anyone listening today, whether you're a teenager, whether you're a mom, one of the biggest things to keep in mind is that this conversation is for you. This conversation about purity, it isn't uh, just for teenagers. And what do I mean by that? Well, traditionally, purity has really kind of targeted a young audience, right? Like that conversation we associate with a message of abstinence. Abstinence. (laughs) So that's something for teenagers. Um, But Across My Heart Ministries, we obviously believe that purity is... Way more than just abstinence. And you would have gotten that from our last episode. And so when we talk about purity, we're thinking about every single woman, man and woman, but we're talking to women in this ministry that want to passionately pursue God with their whole life. And so this conversation, this episode is for you. And I think this, um, this disclaimer, kind of <laughs> the reason that I want to bring this up is because it came to the forefront of our ministry not too long ago when we were advertising for our very first women's conference. And we used the name Reclaiming Purity. And we were so excited to have our first conference. And as we advertised for it, we realized that
1: we were struggling to gain attendance. Yeah, so uh, it was supposed to happen actually right before all the lockdowns started, shutdowns started for the uh, pandemic Mm -hmm. back in March of 2020. And we literally were there setting up for it (laughs) on Thursday night, ready to go for Friday. And it was canceled on Friday. (laughs) <laughs> because things started shutting down in our county. And so it was just crazy timing. Uh, but as we kind of reflected on just what we were communicating in that conference and looking at the amount of women that had signed up, and, I mean, we were happy to do it for the women yeah. who had signed up. well. Yeah, so I think all like it was we a little over, like, 100. Yeah, we which were, is awesome. We were very excited, but we realized maybe... We should market this a little different mm-hmm. maybe women aren't realizing that this is a topic that's important to them yeah as well as their daughters uh, yep and so we decided to rename the conference reclaiming sexuality yes and without doing anything else and changing anything else about the conference our attendance doubled yep it doubled
0: because this
1: whole time we
0: were promoting the conference under the name Reclaiming Purity, and I, I really think women were struggling to understand that it was an event for them. But Reclaiming Sexuality, um, that was broader. That was like, yeah, this is for me too. And so I guess realizing that that is out there, that misconception, and even I'm wondering who's going to click to listen to this episode of our podcast when purity in the title to just know on the outset, at the outset, that this conversation is for you, that our purity doesn't stop at the altar. Nope. Um, This is for married women, single women, teenagers, moms. In fact, part of my testimony that I share at a lot of our events and retreats is that I still choose to wear my purity ring. And that is kind of a bizarre thing for a married woman to still wear a purity ring um because so many people associate purity rings just with abstinence pledges but for me i wear my purity ring and it's not because i don't have sex it's because the intimacy that was supposed to be funny oh sorry (laughs) clearly You weren't listening. No. Um, But it's not because my husband and I don't have sex. I wear a purity ring because actually the intimacy that I now experience with my husband actually increases my desire to be pure Mm. and to keep
1: our marriage bed pure. Yeah, to protect that that purity of heart and mind. Yes. So you have a stronger relationship with your husband and also with God. Yeah, because it's not that marriage does anything
0: to fulfill our purity. It doesn't, incure, it doesn't cure You know, our lust. It doesn't make us holier. Um, if it did, then every single verse on purity would be written to single men and women in the Bible. Yeah, that's so true. And it's not. I mean, Hebrews 13, 4 says marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. And so in this verse in Hebrews, you know, we see that it tells us, first of all, sex within marriage is pure and it's to be kept that way. And so I want to be pure in the way that I dress, um, the thoughts that I have, the attention I draw to myself, the way I carry myself, lust, all of those things um, are part of what it means to be pure of heart and mind before and after marriage. So I still wear my purity ring, and I believe that pursuing purity is something we do our whole life, before and after you say I do. So this week, as promised, we want to start unpacking not just what purity is, um, but what purity isn't. because even though uh, we we may know and understand the definition of purity, there is a lot of confusion around the word. And we got into that a little bit last week, but we want to unpack that in this episode. What purity isn't? Um, Number one, purity is not about perfection. I feel like a lot of times when you read books about sexuality, which we've read a lot, we have our own library on the Across My Heart bookshelf at my house. It's actually a physical bookshelf. Every single book that we buy for the ministry, I keep on this bookshelf. We call it the Across My Heart Library. And... Um, in in these books that are written from a Christian perspective on sexuality, I feel like there's always this special chapter that's written to the girl who has lost her virginity.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah. so you're reading this book. You're reading about God's plan for sexuality, his purpose for sexuality. Um, you're reading about purity, what it means. And then there's like this special chapter for the girl who's lost her virginity. And you read it and you're like... Wait. Oh my gosh. We all need to read this chapter. Yeah. This chapter is not just for the girl who has lost her virginity. Even though it's addressed that way. Because the reality is there there's no special chapter. I mean there may be unique ways to unpack or deal with the the baggage of sexual sin, but the truth for her is the same truth for you, for me, for everyone. And it's the truth of redemption. Mm -hmm. We all need to read the chapter on redemption. We all need to read the chapter about screwing up, feeling like we've messed up, feeling like we're unworthy because at the end of the day, on our own, we all start off in the same position, Mm -hmm. which is impure before God. I mean, does anyone listening to this podcast think that they could stand before God on their own? I uh, No, I couldn't. <laughs> None of us could. But the sad reality is that there are plenty of people in the church who think that they could stand before God on their own mm. because of the twisted version of the gospel that they've heard. See, too often uh, we hear a gospel of self-love and self-worth being preached in American churches. Mm, Yeah. It's a gospel, a false gospel, that is emphasizing to people how lovable and worthy they are that Christ died for them because they're so awesome. But that falls short of the true gospel. Mm. Because if if we're so awesome, it undermines the need for a Savior, right? Yeah. It really robs us from receiving the grace Yeah, for our failures, our mistakes, our brokenness. It makes light of the, the power of the resurrection to bring us to life, the redemptive work of the cross. See, the true gospel, the true... Saving gospel is that we start off broken and impure. And despite all of that, God still loves us. The true gospel makes much of what God has done. That we need him to save us because we can't save ourselves. Hmm. Amen. Jesus has to be God because no human is good enough. And so Jesus, God Himself, is the only way. The true gospel it elevates God, and it pours out grace. It emphasizes that that we were dead in our sin, but it's Christ that brings us to life.
1: We were actually just talking about this in our Sunday school class. We're doing a a really intensive study on the Book of Ephesians, and in Ephesians two verse five, it reads. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made alive together with Christ, by grace we've been saved. It's grace, something
0: we didn't deserve or earn. Because the reality is that none of us could stand before God on our own. But oftentimes we're too prideful to admit it. So we either try to hide our sin, living in the shame of our pride. Or we flaunt our sin, living Mm. in brazen pride. Either way, it's pride that draws us, you know, away from God. Mm -hmm. And God is trying to draw us out. Out of hiding and into confession. Mm. To confess what we've done. And when we do, he will clothe us in his righteousness, just like he clothed Adam and Eve in the garden. So let's talk about that for a second, because from the very beginning, Adam and Eve, they hid from God because they knew they couldn't stand before him. They had to stitch together fig leaves to try to cover up their sin, but we can't fool God. We can't fool God. We can't hide from God. And ultimately our sin, our mess ups, our mistakes, are really just Satan's ploy to keep us from truly knowing God and experiencing that deep intimacy of Mm -hmm. Yadah. See, purity isn't about being a perfect Christian, never having messed up. It's about passionately pursuing the heart of God and actually knowing Him. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, we have to stop hiding. We have to stop distancing ourselves from God. We have to stop trying to stitch together our own fig leaves like Adam and Eve in the garden, and actually humble ourselves, admit our failure, confess to God what we've done. And he is ready to clothe us in his robes of righteousness. He washes us clean with, with his blood. We are not pure on our own. We all start off in the same position, regardless of what we have or haven't done. Isaiah 64, 6 tells us, that we have all become like one who is unclean. All of our deeds are like filthy rags before the Lord. Filthy rags. That word rag is its kind of interesting. You know, we think about like this little piece of cloth or a dirty rag. It's actually more closely translated to mean a period cloth.
1: Wow, really?
0: Like a bloody, yes.
1: Oh, man, that's
0: menstrual, kind of, kind of graphic cloth. And God says, here, give me those dirty rags. You're trying to clean yourself up on your own. You're trying to cover up your sin with these little bloody rags. And I will dress you in white robes so you can stand before me Pure. In the blood of Jesus. So we all may start off in the same position. We can all end in the same position as well. If mm-hmm. only we'll confess before God our, our need to be clothed in his righteousness. And I think, I think that's the really sneaky lie is that Satan um, wants us to think that some of us are better than others and some of us don't have anything that we need to confess and that we can stand before God with our own righteousness with our own right doing, with our own right living. And we all start off impure with a need for Jesus. We have to acknowledge that to be clothed in his
1: righteousness. Yeah, and I think that the reality of sexual sin, a lot of times that seems to almost have a stronger hold on people sometimes than like, Oh, I've cheated on something, or lied, or you know the other other sins that I mean, all sin separates us from God. But it seems like with sexual sin, there can be so much, there can be so much shame and almost like uh, an overwhelming sense of wrong identity once you have engaged in sexual sin, more than even other other sins even though we know all sin separates us and it's it's kind of interesting to me because you know yada is such it's a word that we want it we want to know and be known right and it's a word that you know talks about covenant sex so sex in that context that God has created it mm-hmm. and also talks about our relationship with God so it's really interesting to me that sexual sin really has the capacity to become this thing that really severs that relationship even more than other sin yeah does it it seems to have a, a greater a greater power over us mm. almost mm. I would
0: agree with that. I would agree with that. I think um, the word you used identity mm-hmm. really speaks to that, you know whether it's the pride of you know not wanting to confess. Sin that we're keeping secret or hidden, and that becomes our identity. Or it's sin that we allow to define us because we think that we have a red letter on our chest, Mm -hmm. and that becomes our identity. And so, you know, going back to what I was saying about these special chapters written in Christian books, I, I know they're written to try to recognize every person and their specific struggles. Mm-hmm. And so I, I get that there have to be chapters that help unpack those burdens that we carry. Mm-hmm. But I guess I'm just trying to level the playing field with our listeners. Yeah. That we're
1: not defined by our sin. I almost think it's it's more important. I don't want to say more important, but it's, it's important for the person who has... A history of sexual sin to recognize, hey, you're not defined by that. You're not any worse. Mm -hmm. God wants to forgive that. He wants to redeem you. But also important for the person who maybe isn't struggling with sexual sin Mm -hmm. to realize you're not any better. Yes. (laughs) You're not any better. This chapter, which you think applies to a person who has you know, engaged in sexual sin also applies to you because you have other things Mm -hmm. that you need to make sure you're leveling with God. And uh,
0: the more you listen to our podcast, the more you'll probably realize you also have sexual sin.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So you might be off the hook with this episode because we can't get into it. (laughs) You might think, oh, I don't have any sexual sin. (laughs) If you listen through our whole season, you will realize the sexual sin that is in your life as well. And so all that to say, purity isn't about perfection. Nope. There aren't pure and impure people. There are people who need Jesus to be pure. Mm. Amen. That is what defines us. Yeah. Our identity in Christ, our need for him. And the sooner we acknowledge that, the beauty of the gospel, something that we can't earn, and yet God made a way for us even when we were still unworthy. Romans 5, 8 tells us, But God clearly shows and proves his love for us in this by the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen.
1: Amen. So purity isn't about perfection. And purity isn't the same thing as abstinence. So that's our big number two. It's not the same thing as abstinence virginity is valuable but it doesn't make you more valuable okay you are valuable because you are a human being made in the image of god Mm. that is where your value comes from it doesn't come from your virginity status with that being said, we recognize that God has designed things, you know, his intention, his design is a certain way. And so there is value in protecting virginity and protecting that for for marriage. And we'll talk more in a future episode about why that is such a valuable thing to protect, but it isn't the thing that makes you pure. Just mm-hmm. because you can make it to your wedding night a virgin, Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that you have a pure heart. Right. It means you're a virgin, <laughs> but you could have a lot of other, a lot of other things in your life that have made you impure mm-hmm. and, and still I have, have that technical virginity.
0: Yes, that's why I laughed, not because there's anything funny about being a virgin. That is, uh, woo, woo, awesome. But I laugh because uh, our culture promotes, and you use the word technical.
1: Uh-huh. virginity
0: um, and uh, I mean, to the extreme that you know you get teenagers wondering, Well, can I do this and still be a virgin? Can I do that and still be a virgin uh-huh. um, and so the even the definition of virginity is confused in our culture you know we're we're trying to nail down what purity is here, and you're using the word virginity, and I'm thinking. That might even mean something different to everyone who's listening.
1: That's true. That is very true.
0: But the point remains the same. That that's not what purity is.
1: Nope. It's more than that. Third, purity isn't the same thing as innocence. I think this gets confused a lot. Okay, we are are born innocent. We're born innocent. We're born... Completely oblivious to all of the bad things in the world. We're, I mean, we're born oblivious to the bad things that we could do. <laughs> we're, we're born without that knowledge. We're born innocent, but we're not born pure. Mm-hmm. We're not born pure. We are born sinners. And as soon as that, you know, being a mom yeah. and being a mom of a young child and expecting my second baby— in march <laughs> i understand much more intimately now that as soon as a baby has that opportunity to <laughs> use their little will and make it known and yeah. engage in that sinful nature there's no pro- uh, prohibition nope. <laughs> to doing that they engage in it but they are innocent they are innocent they don't they don't understand you know the evils mm-hmm that are in this world. But purity isn't the same as innocence. Okay, as we grow up, as we get older, we do lose innocence to a certain extent, just living in this world, understanding things about it, walking through it, working in it, the reality of our broken world, we begin to understand that more and more, we learn about its brokenness. Okay, and the extent to which we understand its brokenness and know its brokenness isn't directly isn't directly tied to our purity. Although I would say and we'll talk about this in a minute, that there is value in protecting, you know, and protecting that innocence and not just being like, Oh, I'm, you know, going to learn all the evils (laughs) that are in the world. The Bible does have certain things to tell us and say to us about the types of things that we should be filling our minds with. But innocence and purity are not the same thing. And that innocence, sometimes, you know, sometimes we dabble. Sometimes we learn things just because we're curious. And other times that innocence is taken from us. Right. Things can happen to us. Um, We can be taken advantage of. Mm. There's there's rape. You could have seen something that you wish you wouldn't have seen. Mm. You had no desire to see that clip on your friend's laptop or whatever, but they showed it to you. Right. We can be manipulated. Chances are that resonates. One of these things resonates with everyone listening. Yeah. In the United States alone, sexual assault happens every 73 seconds.
0: Sexual assault happens every 73 seconds in the United States of America. That's a hard statistic to read. Hmm. And the average age a child first sees pornography is now somewhere between 8 to 11 years old. That's the average age, between 8 and 11. Hmm. It is everywhere, our innocence being robbed, being taken from us. Innocence can be taken and lost. And like you said, it's part of living in this sin-ridden world. And yet, that doesn't mean we do nothing to protect those things. Innocence is valuable Mm -hmm. and worth protecting, especially parents listening to this podcast who have young children to be raising them in homes that aren't, aren't bubbles, but are greenhouses. I heard that analogy on social media not too long ago. Yeah. Yeah. That you're not, um, exposing them to the elements of the harsh realities of this world, but yet you're not putting them in a bubble. You're letting them grow and Uh thrive like a greenhouse. That's Uh still, um, Gets the elements of the outdoors, but but in a controlled measure so that they can thrive. Mm. And there's a there's a beautiful, like, poetry post poem that went with it. Um, but I, I like that concept. And I think it's biblical. I mean, when Christ said, behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. We read in Romans 16, 9. For the report of your obedience has, reach, has reached to all. Therefore, I'm rejoicing over you, but I want you to be wise in what is good and innocent in what is evil. Or Philippians 4 verse 8, that says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. By guarding our minds, we help guard our hearts, being careful what we, what we see, what we hear. Jonathan Edwards in his work of the religious affections said that a right heart can actually help us discern right from wrong more easily than intellectual knowledge can. Oh, that is, that is good. That's so true. And it's kind of goes back to that confidence we talked about last week, that when you are pursuing God with your whole life, you don't have to doubt right and wrong, right? You have that confidence that purity brings more than intellectual knowledge. Mm-hmm. Proverbs sixteen twenty five would agree with this. It, it says there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end of it are the ways of death. A pure heart can more easily identify what is pure, almost instinctively, and sense what is impure without necessarily even knowing logically why. Mm -hmm. But you just kind of get a check in your spirit and you know that something is off, something is wrong, something is disrespectful, something is dishonoring to God. It's a life that is led by the spirit as you passionately pursue him with your whole life. And it's part of that renewal of the mind that Romans Mm -hmm. 12 talks about, right? that when we're not conforming ourselves to this world mm. but we are we are guarding and protecting our hearts and our minds it's this renewal of our mind that we can actually test and approve what God's will is his good
1: pleasing and perfect will for mm-hmm. our life yeah yeah and so innocence innocence can there could be some value there but it is ultimately something that that can be lost, something that can be taken and doesn't it doesn't it's not the same thing as purity. It's not the same thing as purity because purity cannot be taken from us. Purity is something that only God gives us. Mm. And once God gives it, it can't be taken. <laughs> you know, like it's not ours to lose. It's not ours to it's lose. It's God's to give. Exactly. It's God's to give. And so innocence by by what we choose to dwell on mm-hmm. and what we choose to expose ourselves to or what has been done with us it can be it can be chipped away at but mm-hmm. like what you said our minds can be renewed so it's not like there's a certain innocent meter that we start out with and it's like oh once it gets to a certain level then i can't be pure you know <laughs> like, right. that's right. not at all it's not it's all not a correlation case. with purity there's not a correlation with purity but once we recognize that we want you know, we want that purity that only God can give. We should be intentional then about what we choose to put into our minds, what mm. we choose to meditate on, what we choose to dwell on, yeah. like the Philippians verse tells us and, and the Romans verse, what we how we choose to renew yes. our mind with these types of things, because those are better going to help us passionately pursue
0: mm-hmm. the heart
1: of God. And knowing that that's only something God can do, you know,
0: in, in the Psalms, when the, um, Psalmist David writes, you know, create in me a pure heart. Mm -hmm. Oh God. He doesn't say, um, you know, don't, don't let me lose my pure heart or, you know, help, help me keep my pure heart. God, you know, he says, create in me. Mm, It's like a, it's a work, a continuing work. And it's God who's doing the creating. Yeah that Hebrew word for create is actually the word bara which is the same word that's used for the creation of the universe mm. when it speaks of god creating our world in genesis creation is something only god can do it's a type of creation that only god can do and so to know that our purity truly comes from God and it is his work of renewing us helps us get a little closer to a fuller understanding of what purity is all about.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think that this helps kind of bring, bring us to our last, what purity isn't. <laughs> and that you know, purity isn't external, it's internal it's not about our, I should say it's not ultimately about our actions, although our actions can reflect uh, and a lot of times do reflect what's going on inside of us. We can fool people, Mm -hmm. especially for a season. We can go through the motions and, you know, play the part of the good girl or whatever, but I'll, Ultimately, what's inside our heart is going to overflow into our actions and reveal our it se- reveal itself, and so we need to make sure that we really are focused on what is in our heart and focused on that internal, because purity can manifest itself in the external, but it's not just about the internal, or sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> That's what happens with live conversation, right? <laughs> it's not just about the external. Mm-hmm. It can manifest itself in that way in the external. But it's not only about that. We can't just look at somebody's actions and tell whether or not they are a pure person. Right. First Samuel 16, 7 hits the nail on the head when the Lord says to Samuel, don't look at his outward appearance at his height or at his stature, because I have rejected him for the Lord sees not as man sees for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And then Jesus goes on to make sure and affirm this fact that, uh, what's in our heart is connected to our actions. Right. But that Matthew, internal, ex- external. Yep. That internal, external connection. When He says in Matthew 15, 19 through 20, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands, that doesn't defile a person. And so it's just, it's very important to recognize that we need to be doing that heart work, Mm -hmm. that heart surrender, To God. And then the fruit will show itself in our actions. But we can't just focus on the actions. So, looking at the external, purity isn't just about saving ourselves for marriage, it's about giving our whole self to God, that internal as well as our external actions. It's about passionately pursuing the heart of God. With our whole life, with our heart, with our mind, with our actions, with our obedience. Mm. It's a holistic concept. Yes. We're going to throw that word in there for the first time. And That's going to come back up. <laughs> and I like, I like how you said
0: that it isn't about saving yourself for yeah. marriage. Uh, it's about giving yourself to God. I think so much of the confusion surrounding purity is that terminology saving yourself for marriage, Mm -hmm. saving, we don't save ourselves. Mm -mm. Only God can save us. And so, I mean, going back to the very first thing that we said in this episode about there always being this special chapter for anyone who's, you know, screwed up and made mistakes and feels like they have sexual sin in their lives. We all are that person. Mm -hmm. We are all that person who is unable to save ourselves. We all need saving. Yes, we all need saving. We all need what God has to give. We all need what God has to give. Amen. And to realize that purity makes us aware of this total dependence on him and our need for a relationship with him. It's really it's really a relational
1: concept. And we see that relational concept enacted all throughout scripture. Mm. We see how Jesus befriends the sexual sinner while they're still in their sin. Yes. It's not when they've gotten their act together. Yes. Even when they've recognized that they are in sin. Mm. It's not even after they've repented. Mm. (laughs) He comes and offers relationship before that point, even. He puts relationship before rules. He gave the Samaritan woman living water. He stood up for the adulterous woman, formed a relationship with her first, and then said, go and sin no more. Mm-hmm. When you've had a personal encounter with the living God, it is then that you're empowered to actually walk out a life of purity, to go and sin no more. Yeah. It starts
0: with a relationship. Mm-hmm. And then the reward... Is a deeper relationship. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is relational. And it's that relationship with God that empowers us with His Spirit. There's a Mo Isom quote that I absolutely love. She is a phenomenal speaker on the topics of sexual purity and um, just sharing her testimony what God has done in her life. And there's this one quote, and I have it written down. It's Sin will overwhelm you until the spirit of God is overwhelming you. Mm, You will feel like it's impossible to stop sinning. You will feel like it's impossible to go and sin no more, like Jesus said Hmm. to the adulterous woman, unless if you are filled with his spirit. Mm -hmm. Unless if you have that relationship with a God who stands up on your behalf, who stands in our place. Mm -hmm. who made a way for us to be purified. It is then that we can actually walk in the ways of purity, not in our own power might, not trying to be perfect, but in a relationship with Jesus. That's really what purity is and isn't. We need his spirit to empower us, his love to guide us. Because remember, remember, A pure heart really begins with a love for God above all else, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, with your whole life, to put aside self-righteous love of self and pursue God. Because I'll tell you what, if you're doing it for the wrong reasons, if you're doing all the right things, but you have the wrong motivation, you will fail. You will hit a dead end. You will become discouraged. Mm. You won't find the reward you were looking for. Because you're ultimately loving yourself. Mm. And lovers of self can live in rebellion or in self-righteousness. Yeah. And I know I've seen both in my own life. There have been times when I think... My way is better than God's. And so rather than listening to the truth of his word, I settle for a counterfeit love, a distraction. And while it might give you a moment of temporary pleasure or excitement. Or satisfaction. Yeah. It's not lasting. It's fleeting. It ends in... Self-doubt, loneliness, addiction, you name it. hmm uh-huh. Pride. I know in my own life, I've seen probably more frequently <laughs> than rebellion, the self-righteousness of uh-huh. thinking, if I do everything right, God will be pleased with me. And God will bless me. But that's ultimately rooted in a love of self, if that's your motivation. Uh-huh. And we've seen so many people who have fallen into this with the purity movement Mm -hmm. that hate the word purity now because they became embittered when they didn't get their reward, Mm. even to the extreme of walking away from God because he didn't give them what they tried to earn with their good deeds. Mm. And so this can be, well, it is, it's, I think it's present in all of our lives. Mm -hmm. I think this love of self is something we have to continually battle on the daily. But it can really manifest itself in huge ways if we don't address it. Yep. If we don't admit our need for God, come out of hiding.
1: (laughs) Stop trying to sew together those fig leaves.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Stop trying to fix it ourselves, do it ourselves, earn it ourselves, love ourselves, and just love God. With our whole life, mm-hmm. that's where purity begins and ends. Is with an all-encompassing love of God. So next week we're going to be um, ending the
1: discussion on purity. Yeah, kind of taking a taking a break from just talking about purity and looking more at the theology of the body
0: that your body is somebody (laughs) and how a healthy Christian theology of the body and personhood interacts with so much going on in our social spheres. Until then, know
1: and be known.